All right, well, let's go ahead and get started today. So um, for those that have been here, you know that we are now in week four of our series called Knowing God. And really what we have been doing throughout this series is getting to know God. That's truly what our endeavor has been. We want to enter into and continue in a personal, intimate relationship with God, right? We want to get to know him better. We want to understand him better. And we also want to be more like him, right? I mean, that's, that's part of this as well. And so we just keep digging into more and more of what scripture has to reveal about him. Next week, we're actually going to kind of turn the corner a little bit and talk a little bit more about the things um, that make us more and more like him, the things that we really need to apply to our everyday lives, that we reflect him accurately, okay? And so next week, we're going to get into some really important topics. Some of this stuff's going to be kind of in your face, but sometimes that's how we learn best, right? We got to kind of wake up and realize who we are called to be. So I'm looking forward to that. But today is uh, a really essential message within this series, okay? Today is very, very important, especially when it comes to the idea of perspective, all right? Now, this is something that we have talked many times about, but maybe you don't realize just how important your perspective is. Perspective is is everything. I mean, your outlook is everything. It is what shapes the thoughts that run through your head. It's what shapes your decisions. It's what shapes your actions. It's the lens that you look through every day of your life. And so today's lesson is really gonna help us have the right perspective in our relationship with God, as well as how he wants to move in and through us, okay? So this is a big one today. Now, I'm not gonna promise you that you're gonna hear something today that you've never heard before. What I am willing to promise is that you're gonna hear something that you need to hear today and that you need to apply to your life, okay? I will promise you that. And so let's give ourselves to this. Let's walk into this with an open heart and an open mind. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to draw closer to you, God. If we have that posture, I promise you, we can walk out of here with a renewed perspective, amen? So this is how we're going to do this. We're going to start a little bit differently today because typically I like to kind of ease our way into our subject. But today we're going to kind of hop right into things pretty quickly. And what we're going to do is we're going to start off by talking about two of God's bigger and more prominent attributes that we read about in Scripture. Okay, We're going to kind of just highlight these things because ultimately I want to use these as kind of our structure or foundation for the real topic that we're going to get into later. Okay, And so again, we're going to hop right in. So what I would like to do is just say a quick word of prayer to make sure that we are in the right frame of mind, that our hearts are truly open to what God has for us today. So can we just like slow down? Can we just lean into him? Can you just ask that God would speak to you today, that, that he would change your perspective, that he would change your life today so that you can walk out different than you walked in? Can you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, we, we love you so much. I mean, we really do. We love you so much. And, and today we want to just draw into you as closely as we can as passionately as we can. We want to get to know you and, and we want to be open to whatever it is that you want to show us. And that, that's each one of us individually. Each one of us is, is going through different things. Each one of us has a, a different perspective. And so we just want to lay it at your feet today and, and allow you to personally and, and intimately draw us in to exactly what you have for us today. May your will be done for the good of your people and for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in today. So the first attribute that I want to lay before you today is called God's omniscience. All right. God's omniscience. Now we're jumping right in. This is a fancy way of saying that God is all knowing. Okay. He has all knowledge. He knows everything. This is the omniscient God that we serve. Okay. Now, as you can imagine, this is a really, really big topic. I mean, there's a a ton of depth to this thing. And so in order to try to understand it a little bit better, I want to break it down in a few different ways, just to try to help us along this journey. And so the first thing that I I would say about God's omniscience is that this means that God knows all things past, present, and future. All right? He knows everything about the past, everything about the present, and everything about what is to come. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 46. This is where it lays this before us, starting in verse 9. It says, For I am God, and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not yet been done. So this is what it's saying. God knows everything that has ever happened and he knows everything that is yet to happen. He has all of that knowledge, the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what has yet been seen or experienced. He has all of that knowledge, right? So the questions that you and I have about creation and and how this whole thing started and how far back we have to look, he knows that. He has that knowledge, okay? The questions that we have about the future and and what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and our existence beyond this life, he has all of that knowledge. He knows everything past, present, and future. And he knows it in the most personal of ways as well. In other words, it's not just that he knows general things about past, present, future. He knows it in the most personal and intimate and detailed ways, especially as it relates to you and I especially as it relates to his people. Watch, watch the personal nature of his knowledge in Psalm 139. Let's start in verse one. It says, Lord, you examine me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. Even from far away, you understand my motives. You carefully observe me when I travel or when I lie down to rest. You are aware of everything I do. Certainly my tongue does not frame a word without you, O Lord, being thoroughly aware of it. Man, think about the the intimacy and, and the personal nature of that knowledge. He knows every move that you make. He knows every thought that crosses your mind. He knows the motives behind every move and and behind every thought. He's aware of everything that you do. It's so personal, so, so intimate. And just think for a second about the depth and the complexity of that level of knowledge as it relates to every one of us, as it relates to all of creation. He has all of this knowledge. It's it's an amazing thing to, to try to ponder. And yet scripture doesn't stop there when talking about his knowledge. Because scripture tells us that God even knows the secret things. In other words, that he knows things that nobody else knows. Nobody else in all of creation knows the things that he knows. For, for instance, it's not just that God knows the things that have happened. He knows the things that could have happened. In other words, every, every variation, every deviation that could have occurred throughout the entire course of history, he knows it. He knows it so well. If this would have happened, if they would have done this differently, this would have been the new outcome. He knows all of this. He has all of this knowledge readily 
available. But catch this, because I think this is maybe the coolest part of this entire concept. Not only does he have this knowledge, not, not only does he know everything past, present, future, every variation, every possibility, not only does he know it, but every bit of this is fully present in his consciousness at all times. It's all there at all times. In other words, he's not like you and I, where, you know, if we get asked a question, we kind of have to like pause for a minute, right? Kind of have to bring to mind the, the thoughts on the subject, get the ball rolling a little bit. God's not that way. He doesn't have to think about the best answer. He doesn't have to ponder what is right. He knows, and it's all there in his consciousness at all times. I don't know if you know somebody like this, but my dad is the type of person who, um, he's, he's a thinker. He, he likes to, to ponder, and he likes to measure really everything that he does. Uh, and, and, and so sometimes if you're having a conversation with him, you might ask him a question, and so he'll begin to think, and he'll begin to ponder. And sometimes it takes so long that you're like, do you remember that I asked you a question? Like, are we, we still in this conversation together? Come on, let's go. And, and as a result, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I like to be logical. I like to think through it. This isn't something that God has to do. He doesn't have to think, what, what makes the most sense here? Like, what would be the most logical thing here? It's all fully present in his consciousness at all times. See, this is why in Psalm 139, it says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. I can't begin to comprehend that level of knowledge. I can't even try to understand what that really means. And this is the omniscient, all-knowing God that we serve. Okay. Now, here's the second attribute that I want to talk about today, and that is God's omnipotence, his omnipotence. Now, again, this is kind of a fancy way of just saying that God is all-powerful. Okay, He has all power. There's no boundaries. There's, there's no limits. He can do anything, and Scripture is abundantly clear on this topic. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 32. We're going to go to verse 17. This is what it says. Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. In fact, the idea of something being difficult doesn't even apply to God. I mean, that's just not how he works, right? The hardest things that we could imagine or think about are but words in his mouth. I mean, it's, it's a snap of a finger and it's done. In fact, watch what Ephesians chapter 3 says. I love this scripture so much. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Now just ponder that for a second. This means that God can do things that we wouldn't even dream of asking for. That we wouldn't even dream of, of thinking about. That's the level of power that we're talking about. I mean, which one of us would have thought about the idea of walking on water? I mean, who, I mean that wouldn't even cross our minds. Who would have thought about the idea of parting the Red Sea? That's not even within the construct of how our minds works, right? And this is the level of power that we're talking about. Beyond anything that we could ask or think, this is God's omnipotence. Now, that being said, there is an aspect of this topic that I want to make sure we rightly understand. And I think this is, this is really, really important when we're talking about this. And that is, in the introduction of this series... I talked about how one of the principles that we need to keep in mind is how all of God's attributes are perfectly unified. In other words, all of God's traits are full and they are perfect, but they come together with consistency and unity. And this is extremely important to remember when it comes to his omnipotence because that means that God's infinite power must always be consistent with the rest of his attributes. 
There must always be consistency. In fact, because of this, Scripture actually shows us things that God cannot do. Scripture says that God cannot lie. He cannot do that. God cannot deny himself. God cannot be tempted. These are things that God cannot do. So while his power is infinite, his use of that power is always qualified by his other attributes. It's always consistent. And this is actually really good news for us because just think, for example, if we served an all-powerful God, right? He could do anything, but maybe he wasn't so loving. Maybe he wasn't so compassionate. Maybe he wasn't so merciful. That's a really scary concept to think about, right? And so all of God's attributes come together in this perfectly unified way, including his power. And listen to me, this should very much help us in our relationship with him. This should very much help us in how we see him because yes, he is all powerful, but that doesn't mean that we should be struck down with fear. That doesn't mean that we should feel like we have to walk on eggshells around him. That's not the relationship that he wants with us. I promise you that's not what he wants. In fact, it should be the opposite. A proper understanding of his power should lead us to be confident. It should lead us to be bold because after all, we are his beloved children who because of this can proclaim, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God is for me, who can be against me? This is the omnipotent father we serve and therefore these are the people that we should be. We serve an all-knowing, all-powerful God and this should serve us to draw us closer, to strengthen us as his children. This is the proper response. Now, here's the reason that I wanted to start with these two attributes of God, okay? First off, because these are really foundational things for us to understand about him. Like I said, they are so prevalent in scripture. We, we have to begin to understand these things if we're gonna rightly enter into a relationship with him, okay? But what I think is most important about these things is not how we understand how they work separately, or how they work on their own. What is really important is that we understand how they come together and work cohesively, how they work together. This is when the real magic of God's character comes to light because when God's infinite power and his infinite knowledge come together, this is when we see the real topic that we wanna talk about today. And this is when we see God's wisdom come to light. This is the wisdom of God. That's what I wanna to talk to you about today. Now listen, this is one of the most beautiful and powerful attributes of God that we can talk about. I mean, there's just, there's so much goodness that is happening here in this one aspect of God. And now one of the ways that we can define this is by saying that this is his omniscience governing his omnipotence. That's what we're talking about. It's, it's his omniscience governing his power, infinite power ruled by infinite knowledge. It's a pretty cool thing to ponder. In fact, think about it this way. If we serve a God who has all knowledge, I mean, he knows everything, but he has no power, well, then what good does that do, right? I mean, it's kind of worthless. I mean, nothing's gonna actually get done as a result. It's just knowledge for knowledge's sake, right? And likewise, if we serve a God who has all power, he can do anything but no knowledge, well, again, we're back to that really scary concept that we talked about earlier. An all-powerful being that doesn't know how to correctly use it, that's really scary. But if you serve a God who has both of those and they come together perfectly, now this is the wisdom of God coming to light. And this is who we serve. He is infinitely, he is perfectly, he is powerfully wise. And this is such an important thing for us to understand. I promise you, if you wanna have the right perspective of God and the right perspective of your life, you need to understand his wisdom. 
So let's break it down this way, okay? I want to ask two questions, and I want to answer these so that we can really see the fullness of this topic come to light. So the first question is this. How exactly does God's wisdom show up in our lives? Like, like how exactly does it show up? Because I want to see it. I want to be aware of it, right? I want to know what it is. And so how can we do that? And then the second question is, and then how do I respond to that? Once I see it, once I'm aware of it, what is the good and right response for me as his child? And so let's go ahead and begin to answer that first question. How do we see God's wisdom show up in our lives? And so I want to start by giving you a definition that I read in my studies this week that I think is really, really helpful for us to understand this. And so we're going to put it on the board. You can write this down. You can take a screenshot, whatever helps you out. But this is what I read. God's wisdom means that he always chooses the best outcome and the best means to that outcome. This is what God's wisdom means, that that he always chooses the very best outcome as well as the best means to that outcome. So listen, in God's ultimate perspective, he has the knowledge of what our true purpose is. He knows why we exist, and then he has the power to ensure that it plays out so that we achieve that best outcome. This is God's wisdom. So when he created you, he knew this is the best outcome. This, this is the perfect outcome for them. And then this is the route that I'm going to have to take them through to get to that perfect outcome. This is why it says in Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you. He, he knows the plans. There's a future. There's a hope. This is only possible through his knowledge and through his power. Now, I want you to think for a second about how this concept might impact your relationship with God. I want you to stop and think for a second about how this concept might impact the way that you connect with him and and the way that you relate to him. For example, think about how this might play out in your relationship with him when you're going through a time in life where everything's just going wrong. I mean, it feels like life is tearing you apart. Think about the, the adversity that you've had to face. Think about the tragedies that you've had to endure I'm serious. Think about the worst pain and and the hardest heartache that you've had to suffer. Some of us are going through that right now. Like this is life for some of us right now. And when we're in these moments, we think to ourselves, this can't possibly be right. This can't possibly be God's plan for my life. There's no way that God's divine purpose is in this situation or in this circumstance. There's no way. And I'm just telling you, believe it or not, God's wisdom is at work even in those moments even through the tragedies and even through the pain and the heartache, his wisdom is showing up. Listen, God is never anything other than wise. He's never anything other than wise. Now, not according to your standard, not according to what you think is best, but according to what he knows is best, he is always, always wise. In fact, let me put it this way, and maybe this will kind of hit it head on. God knows exactly what he's doing every moment of your life. Every second of every single day, he knows exactly what he's doing, which means he's never made a mistake. He's never accidentally fumbled something in your life. This isn't a trial and error situation for God. He is purposely ordaining every moment so that you can get that absolute best outcome for your life. And this is something you need to be more aware of. This is something that you need to to believe in more. This is something that you need to, to, to shape your everyday perspective because his wisdom is at work in your life. 
Now, we see a ton of examples of this in Scripture. I mean, over and over again, we see this concept come to the surface. And what's funny is even as we read it in the Bible, we're going, I don't, that, that doesn't make sense to me, right? I don't get that. There's no way that makes sense. And yet this is God's wisdom at work. Let me give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. In the book of Genesis, we see a man by the name of Joseph who was uh, one of 12 boys, and he was the second youngest child. And uh, as he grew up and he got to be a teenager, um, his older brother's not really the biggest fans of him. And, uh, and kind of for good reason, if we're being honest, but they did not like him. And so they decided, we're going to kill him. We're, we're just going to take him out. We're tired of him. They're going to kill their own brother. And they go ahead and relent from that. Instead, what they do is they sell him off to a bunch of foreigners who are, who are traveling through their town. They're just going to get rid of their brother, Okay. Now, Joseph ends up in Egypt where he would go on to spend more than 10 years in prison on a false accusation. He didn't even do anything wrong, and he spends more than 10 years in prison. Betrayed by his own brothers? Most of his life in prison for nothing he did? There's no way that's God's wisdom, right? There's no way that that's God's plan for his life. And yet later in Genesis 45, guess what he tells his brothers? It wasn't you guys who did it to me. It was God. He knew every step of the way what he was doing so that I would fulfill my purpose. That's God's wisdom. We read about a woman named Esther in the Old Testament. She was orphaned as a child, so not exactly the best way to start your life, right? She would grow up to marry a man who literally wanted to kill off her entire bloodline. Just wanted to take him out. I'm done with you guys. So she has to put her very life on the line just to save her family. Just to save her loved ones, she has to put her life on the line. There's no way that's God's plan for her life. No way that makes sense except what we go on to read is that she was created and she was placed for that very time and that very purpose. He knew exactly what he was doing in her life. The Apostle Paul, talk about him all the time. Accomplice to murder, beaten and scourged, imprisoned at least three different times, shipwrecked, snake bitten. I mean, you can go on and on and on. This guy went through it. There's no way that's God's wisdom. Except in Philippians 4, this is what Paul says. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. He says, my God will supply all of my needs. Why? Because he knows his wisdom is at work. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like. His wisdom is working. Now, listen to me. I know, I know that it doesn't look like you think it should look like. I, I get it. I know your life isn't playing out like you think it should play out. But I promise you this, God knows exactly what he's doing, and he's carrying you through every step of it. This is how God's wisdom shows up in your life. You better be aware of it. You better be given to it, because I promise you, he's trying to work through you. He's trying to work through you. Now, here's the next question. If that is the case, if God knows exactly what he's doing and he's working on my behalf to accomplish it, what should be my response to that? How do I respond to this unbelievable thing that I'm learning? Here's the first response. You better trust him. You better learn to trust him with everything in your life. If everything that we're talking about today is true, if he's all powerful, if he's all knowing, if he's working on your behalf, why would you not trust him? This is why it says in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I mean, with everything in you, put your trust in him. Do not lean on your own understanding because guess what? I know you don't get it. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but guess what? He's working. And if this is true, how can I not trust him? I mean, how, why would I not rest under his embrace if this is true? See, what God's wisdom shows us is that he deserves our trust. He deserves it. He's, he's earned it. In fact, we would be kind of foolish not to trust him if all of this is true. 
And yet every single one of us struggles in this area. Can we just be real about it? We do not trust him like we say we do. We do not trust him like we should. Think about how stressed out we are all the time. I mean, th think about how anxious we are all the time. Oh my goodness, I don't know that I can go through this. Now, I'm not saying those things are completely avoidable. What I am saying is I think we understand how out of control this is in our lives. I mean, it feels like we're in a tailspin sometimes. If we really trusted him, would we think the things that we think on a daily basis? Would we feel the things that we feel on a daily basis? Would we react to certain situations the way that we do? The truth is we don't trust him like we should. You don't. You don't trust him like you should. You wouldn't be so scared if you trusted him. You wouldn't be so tired if you trusted him. You wouldn't be so angry if you trusted him. You wouldn't. And listen, I'm not saying that to condemn anybody. I promise you, I'm saying it to wake you up, to help you realize God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. His wisdom is at work. So stop doubting it. Stop getting discouraged by it. He's, he's working. Instead, what you need to do is you need to turn to him. You need to lean into him. You need to trust him because I promise you his wisdom is working out on your behalf. This is the proper response. This is the proper response when we understand God's wisdom. We have to put our trust in him like never before. We have to remind ourselves every moment he knows what he's doing. He's working for my good. I trust you, God. I trust you. I promise this is a daily habit that you're gonna have to apply. I promise you that. Now listen, there's one more response that we need to talk about. There's one more thing that we, we I'm telling you, we have to be about if we're gonna respond to this the right way. Once we put our trust in him, once we lean into him and we know, listen, you're, you're in control. You've got everything under control. I'm gonna trust in you. Once we've done that, the next move is very simple. And that is, it's time to keep moving ahead. Step by step, one in front of the other, keep moving ahead. Listen to me right now. The one thing we can't do as God's wisdom is playing out in our lives is stop moving. That's the one thing we cannot do. You have to keep going. Again, I know it doesn't look like you thought it would look like. I know your expectations of life aren't being met, but he's working. Keep moving. Don't give up. I promise you, you got to keep going. This is something that we see so clearly from the people of God in Scripture. I mean, they are resilient. They are courageous. They are relentless. When Joseph was thrown into prison, he didn't give up. He, did, he didn't stop moving. In fact, it would be years later, he becomes the most powerful man in all of Egypt. Why? Because he knew God was working. He knew that God was moving, and so he was going to keep working, ensuring that God's will would come to pass. Same thing with the Apostle Paul. This guy, he is stranded on an island because his ship was crashed. He gets stranded on an island. The next thing that happens, as we read in Scripture, is that a snake bites him. I mean, come on, at that point, aren't you going, oh, what is going on here, God, right? Like, this is unbelievable. Did he stop? Nope, he gets up, dusts himself off, heads right off to Rome and keeps spreading the gospel. I mean, he was just relentless. This has to be our posture. We cannot give up. We cannot stop moving because God is working. He's working. Put your trust in him and keep moving ahead. This is the proper response.